Mamas on a Mission is a podcast bringing you bold and ambitious women. Grab a coffee and let's meet Melbourne mamas who are showing the world and their kids that the mission is possible. I'm your host, Holly, the Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne. Hey, Mama, we have arrived at the last episode of the season. I'm so sad about it, but also so darn grateful that I've been able to share the loveliest of ladies with you. If you're an avid listener, firstly, thank you. And also, are you keen as beans for a season two? Or are you a Melbourne mama on a mission and would love to get on the podcast? I'll be putting the word out soon on Insta and Facey about what will be happening and where you can apply. So be sure to connect with me on socials. Just find me under Motherhood Melbourne. Too easy. And also, make sure you join the hood on my site. It's free. So you can find out when Season 2 will be launching. As this is the last episode of the season, I've saved up a very interesting Mission Mama for you. I had chills speaking with her. I think I also tear up a little. Actually, I've cried in a few episodes. I should probably rename this podcast to Listen to Holly Cry, but the name's not as catchy, is it? Anywho, let's talk about my latest guest, Claire Hill. She's a psychic and a medium and uses these gifts in her role as a spiritual life coach. When I first saw Claire speak at an event, I just had a big mama crush on her. She's funny, kind, and also wise. And I may or may not have started this podcast just so I could get some one-on-one time with Claire. You'll know what I mean when you hear her story. Claire is on a mission to teach people at any stage of their lives they can soulscape. They can redesign, grow, and nurture the next version of themselves. Claire starts off by sharing how she discovered her clairvoyance, and goes into more detail about her psychic and medium abilities. Claire then explains how she embraced who she was and decided to use her unique skills to serve as a spiritual and life coach. And lastly, we chat about the common issues that Claire helps mums with. You're going to laugh, maybe you'll cry, but you're certainly going to learn and grow throughout this combo. Ready? Let's meet Claire. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honoured to be here. Oh, no, I'm really, really excited and I have good vibes about this. I know it's going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so Well, that's that's good because that's that's all I work with, vibes. So I love it. Oh, cool. Well, because Motherhood Melbourne is all about surviving motherhood one coffee at a time, I need to know what is your coffee order? My coffee order is a soy latte extra hot because as mums, we need that extra bit of heat because we never get to drink it on time. Oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. I never even thought of that, but that's so true. (laughs) Extra hot, I'm doing it. (laughs) How funny. Oh, good. And where are you drinking um, this soy latte? My favourite coffee shop of all time is right near my house. It's in Oak Park and it's called Francis Winifred and it's this cute little um, coffee shop that um, was. it used to actually be a kid's um, play, like a um, party place and, um, yeah, they converted it and kept a lot of the original um, brickwork and floor and it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Oh, that's good. That's lovely. And what about your favourite family-friendly place? Where do you like to go with the kids? 
We actually spend a lot of time on the Murray River in Bundalong and I know that's a little bit of a car ride but I, um, you know, every if you're up for it, it's, it's well worth the trip um, and it's beautiful. You've got um, the Murray River which is amazing and also, you know, in Yarrawonga there's a beautiful um, foreshore where you can, they've got water slides, a beautiful park and, oh. yeah, yeah, it's well worth the trip down there in summer. Okay, good. I love this question because I'm just discovering so many new places that I didn't know about. So, yeah. Mm. No, thank you. And what about your current binge? What are you binging on? This is so funny because I was like, oh, I should say a podcast, but it's actually not. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, it's not Mama's own no, oh, that, but um, I actually just finished watching The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it's a, I've finished season one and two. I think the, um, season three is coming out in not, not, it's not far from coming out, but if, um, it's, yeah, it's not something for everyone, but I really loved, um, the, it's almost like a science slash kind of spiritual, um, you know, um, series. So yeah, I really love that. Cool. I read the book because I don't know, I missed this first season. Um, yeah. So I read the book and it was pretty cool, but I haven't, haven't jumped on the TV show yet. Yeah. It's well worth the watch if you're kind of into that stuff. Yeah. I love that stuff. I love that genre. Um, and what about your simple self-care ritual? What are you doing? Something for yourself little. I, every single day I meditate and journal. So they're the two things that I, uh, my non-negotiables, mm-hmm. I absolutely do the, do that for myself every single day because it means that I just get to be me in those moments. Okay. And with journaling, so what is that? Just, just writing down everything of the day, like your feelings, what's happening. So I normally with my journaling, it started off that it was, I feel it was like dear diary. No, um, <laughs> No, it, I like this. It, <laughs> yeah, uh, if my mum reads this, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> um, so I really, um, I, I kind of over time um, really uh, made my journaling very much about. It, it was kind of clunky in the beginning, I suppose, where I was like, "Oh, well, what does journaling mean? What do I write down?" But it was literally just whatever it needed to be like, and I call it free writing. Now, um, you free write whatever comes up for you, which, so to me, that means there's no structure, there's no wrong or right. It just is whatever you need it to be. So yeah. Do you do that in the morning or the afternoon? I do that. Yeah. So part of my, um, I do have a morning ritual and a nighttime ritual. Part of my morning ritual is the journaling. So I set the intention of how I want to feel every day. Ah, interesting. As opposed to sort of like letting it out at night and yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So as of a nighttime, I set the intention of what I want to feel in the morning and then I reiterate that. So I'm constantly aware of, um, what I'm thinking and my thoughts and, and I think journaling is all, everyone's looking at like, oh, technology is just taking over getting those thoughts out of your head and actually seeing them and verbally saying them is so powerful. 
Oh, that's cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I love mm. to know these little things about you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really want to get into the deep stuff. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's okay. go there. All right, let's do it. So I'd love to start off with, can you please share some key experiences of your childhood and how you discovered your clairvoyance and ability to embrace your intuition? I would say... I was around the age of eight when I knew that I was, I could feel that I intuitively knew a little bit more and felt a little bit more than what um, my brothers and sisters um, did because I was labelled the highly emotional child. I was labelled the sook. I was labelled, um, you know, don't, you know, don't be mean to Claire, she'll just start crying. <laughs> and yeah, it was really, um, looking back now, I was highly emotional because of that intuitive sixth sense, you know, that I had about how people feel. And, um, yeah, so, um, it was really, yeah, I was labeled. And I think that looking back kind of now, I go, well, I love that I was like that because I see my daughter now this as the same and I have the tools to show her how to work through that. But, um, yeah, so I was highly intuitive. I, yeah, around the age of eight, um, I would just know how things would turn out. So in the psychic world, I knew how to perceive things and I knew how things, if we said, you know, we're going to do this this weekend, I would already see that scenario. I would see the people that would be there. I would hear, I would, um, have, have, I would know the conversations that I would have. And, um, yeah, so that was the knowing, um, of how things were going to be and how they would turn out. So I, that was really normal for me. That was just, I, that's all I knew. Um, so the, um, yeah, the Claire Cognance and the, and the Claire audience, so all the Claire's, which is so <laughs> funny. Cause I'm like, I always say to my mum, did you know, because he called me Claire and it's kind of spelled the same way. Um, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I, it was around eight and I just felt spirit around me as well. So I felt like there was someone watching me all the time. And I, yeah, it, it felt really normal for me, but it also felt like there was an audience and I was, I used to like almost perform to these people. Like I kid you not, like picture an eight year old girl on a farm, like doing this big production and dance and acting. And I was doing it to the spirit, to spirit in, and I could see them and I knew who they were. And it was like that. Um, I had all these imaginary friends, but they was, it was spirit. So, um, yeah, I would play with them more than I would play with my brothers and sisters because it felt safe because they understood me. Um, yeah, so it sounds a little bit crazy, but that's kind of, yeah, the, that was me growing up. And then I think the turning point where I knew I was so different was I had a really, really bad accident at primary school and I, um, had that come to Jesus moment where I felt that my body had the choice to either pass over or stay here. And I can only explain it as feeling, um, you know, seeing that light um, and um, feeling just unconditional love. And yeah, I, it was that hot moment where um, 
yeah, so I'll tell you a bit of backstory about the accident. So we, I had a really bad accident at school. Um, the monkey bars collapsed. I was the on, only one out of all the kids that was severely injured. So I had a blood clot in my brain, a fractured skull, broken jaw. Um, I was having epileptic fits because of the pressure in my brain. And, um, yeah, so this all happened at, in, at school when I was eight. And, um, I was, you know, flown to, I grew up in Tasmania. So I was flown in the air ambulance to Hobart Royal Children's and they had rang my parents and said, like, please don't rush. We just don't think she's going to make it. And yeah. And like knowing um, that as a parent now, imagining what my parents were going through, like he's, he's quite emotional. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, that was, so I, I kind of, um, was in and out of consciousness. Um, I had a lot of, I had epileptic fits in the air ambulance. They just did the best that they could. And, um, yeah, I, so I had died twice actually in that moment. Um, and that was my moment that I saw that I have a choice to either stay here. And I realize now that I, was given that journey to do what I'm doing today so that, um, yeah, so I haven't talked about this a lot and it's funny because I'm in the midst of like writing a book about becoming me and being that spiritual being in the world. And I blocked that out, um, for a large portion of my life because my mum and dad, um, were so, I suppose, traumatized by the story that I never wanted to talk about it. So I just, kept it to myself and I'm at, you know, I'm 40 next year and I'm really processing it now, which is a beautiful experience to be going, well, what is my story about that? And being able to tell people that. So it's quite new. I suppose that I'm, even though it happened when I was eight, that I'm going back to that now and going, okay, well, how can I heal from this and how can I heal others from my story? Um, and, and what I went through. So yeah, when I came out of hospital, I was in hospital for three months in um, intensive care and, um, yeah, I had a lot of fears and a, a lot of things that I, you know, along the journey of my life and spirituality, my, that journey to being the spiritual being that I had to work through that, you know, the fears that weren't mine and the fears that I'd borrowed from my parents around this. And, yeah, so that was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of uh, a big part of the journey to being who I am today. So, yeah, it's, um, and I think as well, yeah, going through that and having that moment of, I know exactly why I'm here and, um, I got given another chance and that just really becomes such, you get such clarity in your life when you know that you're, you're back here for a reason. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I have goosebumps listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh gosh. So you have both abilities. So you're a psychic and a medium. Can you explain the difference between the two and and how do they both work? Yeah. So, so not, it's funny, not all psychics kind of claim to be mediums Mm -hmm. um, and not all mediums claim to be psychics. Um, I, um, you know how I said to you, I felt spirit a lot. I, Um, yeah, I, for me, the psychic part and the seeing those clairvoyant seeing abilities, um, and being able to tap into pe- people's emotions and edit energetically when I read for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So 
Um, that's the psychic ability. So, um, you know, really tapping into as soon as I see and someone sits in front of me, I, my clear audience, um, kicks in, which is, um, hearing. So perceptive hearing, which is, a um, part of the psychic ability. So clairvoyant is seeing, clairsentient is sen- sensing and feeling and claircognance is about the knowing. So that knowing is the one that I was the strongest in. So uh, that's my one that I've really kind of flexed that muscle, I suppose you could say. Um, and, um, yeah, so psychics perceive the information. So they can look at a person and read their, um, read their memories, um, re- look at their belief systems as well. That's something that shows up for me a lot about what they believe. Um, and also about, um, yeah, what, uh, will happen for them if they have a specific question. That's why I say to people like, come with really good questions. Yeah. Um, because my, the, the more in depth, the question, the more clarity you get around the answer. Um, and then for mediums, mediumship is really about messages between two sources. So I connect with creator, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. And my spirit guides, um, ascended masters, angels, which is, yeah, a lot of spiritual, you know, lingo, I suppose in there. Um, so mediums are, are a conduit basically between source spirit and you. So there's kind of three. Um, and what happens is when I get into, um, when I open up energetically, cause I'm not open all the time. Um, because if I was, I'd be going crazy cause I'd be letting spirit into my bedroom, into my lounge room, into my life all the time. So that's another part where I have to really protect myself. But yeah, the mediumship is about connecting with spirit that, um, that basically have a message for the person sitting in front of me. So that both of those things, my psychic ability, so all the clairs that I were ta- was talking about, mm-hmm. I've always had a lot of those things. And so when I was reading for people in the beginning, like five years ago, they were the ones that they were the things that I was tapping into. So my, um, you know, my sixth sense, basically, I'll call it that, um, which everyone has, everyone has. So um, everyone will have a knowing about, you know, when someone says, oh, I knew that was person was going to ring. That's them using that part of themselves, that sixth sense. So, um, and the mediumship part I had to go and work on. Basically, I got a mentor, Geordie, who is amazing. And I really, she's a medium and I worked with her about what it feels like for spirit to come in. And I had to remember when I was eight and I said, I knew that spirit were around me. I had to, I had to revisit that feeling again because I'd blocked it. So, um, yeah, I blocked it for such a long time because I was trying to be the same as everyone else when I was different. So, yeah, so I had to tap into that again. So the mediumship part was me finding and discovering that and building that muscle again. Um, and then connecting, um, connecting with spirit if, you know, if they're wanting to connect with me. And I've got some funny stories about when Geordie was training me and she still does. I still go and see her. Um, she actually gave me like the phone and rang someone and said, right, you've going to do a reading for this person. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God. Uh, talking about throwing me in the deep end. And it, 
it was the best reading I think I've ever done. Um, like a bit of a backstory, the person um, had been adopted and her actual biological father was coming through to tell her that she had half brothers and sisters that she needed to go and find. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing to um, pass those messages along to a person I had no idea about and it be you get that validation of, oh, my gosh, I know why I'm doing this. This is so worth it. Um, And I'm glad she did throw me in the deep end because, you know what, it showed me that I could swim instead of sinking and making a fool out of myself. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Um, yes. So, yeah. So are there any misconceptions that you find that people have about both? So when they talk to you and ask questions, I guess they have their own perception about what they are. And have you ever experienced any confronting situations when you share this information with people? So whether that was your family, friends or strangers? I think um, the biggest misconception, I think, and it's really an individual thing when you go and see a psychic, a medium or a psychic medium, that um, they're going to tell you things that, you know, when you're going to die, if you're, you know, you're going to get sick. And I just don't go there. I, I really believe that that's not my job. That's, that's creator, God, whoever you believe in, that's, not my job to tell people that. And I never, I never will. Um, that's just my own beliefs and values that really come in as well. I think the misconception is, um, usually the people that don't believe, I suppose, or they find it really hard are usually the ones that, uh, are the biggest uh, control freaks. I'm just going to say, um, yeah. they, they, they like to be in control of what people think of them. And they don't like the fact that someone knows something about them that they're not in control of. Um, and yeah, so, and on a, you know, spiritual level, I think the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with, not so much a misconception, but, um, when a particular, um, uh, when suicide comes through for me, I, um, that, that the person that the spirit that's coming through, um, committed suicide, I get to the point where I'm, I'm nearly vomiting. So I, that's my symbol basically for that's what happened to that person. So that me, to me physically is really hard to, um, yeah, to process and, and, you know, it's not easy saying, okay, there's someone coming through and they took their own life. That's, um, yeah, because that is not something that we talk about and that's not something that is easy to talk about. So I think that um, I'm super lucky that I have um, gotten really, uh, I've developed my skills of how I actually deliver things. So I'm very gentle in the way that I approach those things, whereas some psychics will be like, oh, yeah, they killed themselves. Or, you know, or I know that in my heart, if that was me, how I would want that delivered. So I very much take it from that angle. Um, Yeah. So I think, you know, for me as well about people in, you know, this, you know, 2018, they're really looking for, they're really curious about a different way of being. And I think that holistically, a lot of people are going to, you know, two life coaches and two psychics and two different people to heal, 
you know, all they're looking at is healing the way that they are. And I think that I love the fact that I'm alive in, in 2018 experiencing this, you know, mass awakening of people and humans going, there's more to life than how I'm living it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting like I'm I'm processing everything that you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just like I think one of the yeah. questions that came up at that moment was because obviously you know with that um, medium ability, do people, the spirits that you're connecting with, are they feeling pain? I know that's I don't know if that's a weird question. Yeah, but... it's no, it's a you know I do get I do get asked that question a lot because especially when they do. Um, there are horrific traumatic events yeah. that, that people, you know, like car accidents, um, you know, horrific things that they experience before they pass. So mm. um, the, the number one thing that spirit will always say to me when I'm connecting is tell them I'm not in pain anymore. Tell them if they've died of past of Alzheimer's or dementia, tell them I'm not like that anymore. I'm okay. I'm back to the person that I was and oh, getting emotional because yeah. my my nan is one of those people who'd pass of dementia and she actually came to me in a dream and said, tell people that they don't have to worry about people like me. I'm actually okay. And so are they. And it was, um, yeah, it's quite, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful that I get to, to share that with other people because I think when we get left in the physical world mm. and with the, we've got to continue as humans, we want to, all we want to know is that they're okay. And they are, they, they, when they transition, they, they get to release everything they were holding on to and they forgive. And yeah, so most of the time they do, sometimes they get stuck between, can I forgive for that? And, and they will, they just sit there and we get, my belief is that we get shown our lives and we get to choose whether we forgive and we end up, the choice is, love or fear and if you continue to look at the fearful things that you experience then you sit there and you really have to process it and yeah you know my grandfather for example when he passed I know spiritually he sat there for a long time because he was so bloody stubborn that he you know he didn't want to admit fault and I think that he sat there for a really long time um yeah, so it is very different for each person that transitions and what they what they actually experience in their life. A lot of people, it happens very easily, and a lot of people, it it may be that they may have to sit there for a little a little bit in process. And there is a rule, general rule, that spiritually, if someone's passed, that you I don't connect with them for a certain period of time. But you know what? That got thrown out the window a couple of weeks ago. I was doing a reading, and I'm like this person is coming through and it's so, and I, I was talking about it and they're like, oh, they only died last week. Oh. And I, yeah, I was like, wow, well, that just throws that theory out the window. So I just, I just let myself be guided by that person. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. And so when you, okay, when you first share this information with people, like for example, when you meet your partner or when you meet new friends, <laughs> how, how are they like with embracing it? <laughs> this is um my husband is amazing he i remember we were um watching tv and it was you know that you know that moment of like i've just got to rip the band-aid off and tell this person this yeah. thing because yeah. you know the more i the more i just procrastinate the harder it's going to get so i just said to him i'm a psychic and he goes yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> um he goes you have told me so much stuff 
over and we've been together. We're married. We've been together for 15 years. So he said, I know you are. Um, I, and I was like, am I the last person to know this? Or, you know, it was about, I had be, I was that person and he could see that he, I just needed to catch up to him. So it was really, he was like, I know. And he's so amazing. He, I, by me going on this journey, um, he, um, has embraced it and it's only changed him for the better and us as a couple for the better. And yeah, like we, his business has grown and mine has grown because we are so in this journey together now. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that we, we got to experience this in this life. It was amazing, but I have had people, I've lost friends, I've lost family. Um, but you know, it's my, one of my philosophies is it's never about you. It's always about them. So I know, and I'm in alignment with who I am. I know who I am. And I'm so sure of that 90% of the time. <laughs> there are times where I'm like, Oh, I don't know who I am. What am I doing? And, but you know, I choose to stay in alignment. So maybe it's because, you know, I've that, that time has expired and I've learned that lesson from that person. And we, we need to move on. And if they come back in, they come back in. If they don't, they don't. So yeah, I, you know, have, I lost, I think two of my best friends. So, and it was because it, um, my, yeah, I had to, I had to make a choice of, can I be Claire, the spiritual being? Can I be Claire, the human? Can I be Claire, the mum? Can I be Claire, the wife? Can I be Claire, the friend with these people? And, and the answer really was no. And I had to get super honest with myself and, you know, I live with, you know, really solid preferences about if I can't trust, if I can't trust the person, if they're not loyal, if they don't give me freedom, if they, if they can't show compassion, you know, these are my life guidelines. So if I can't get that and I can't be that, then that's not for me. So, um, yeah, that was probably, that's probably the hardest thing that I've had to accept. Yeah. I love that word. I love the word alignment. That's perfect. Yeah, it is. It's, I, I live every day being, is this in alignment with me or is this not? And I think as a spiritual being, that's, that's what I teach other people is that choice in alignment with your preferences and in alignment with you, or is it completely out of alignment? And and I teach them, what does that feel like to be out of alignment and to be in alignment? Yeah. And so when did you decide then you would embrace your gift to help others and how did your spiritual and life coaching come into it? I think, um, I think it was about, um, you know, sharing, sharing my story. And, um, I think the life, the life coaching after I'd been doing readings for people, um, and I've only been reading professionally, I suppose, for two years. So I'd been reading my family and people before that without kind of knowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, and I felt like I was such a know-it-all. Like that's how I, I'm like, God, I know a lot of stuff. And where does this, yeah, like where does this, like it was, I was really um, naive, I suppose, or I don't know, like about it. And I, I was like, I really know a lot of things, you know, that's really beautiful that I do that, but it's like, where does this come from? Um, and then, yeah, like I was like, oh, that's where it is. I blocked it for such a long time, but the reading part always came really naturally. But what I've discovered when I was having readings, 
I was getting this amazing information and having this shift. And then I was like, but how do I do this? How do I actually implement this change in my life? Or, you know, yeah, I've had a crappy relationship, but how do I let that relationship go so it doesn't come with me in the other relationships? So that's when I offered it up to the universe and said, tell me what I need to do to teach people how to, how to go beyond just the reading. And, um, I went to Louise Hay, heal your life teacher training. Um, and there's such a funny story behind that. I rang my auntie, who's a psychic as well, medium as well. And I said to her, I feel like I need to be doing something with this. And she said, you need to go to Louise Hay teacher training. And I actually Googled it that day and the the training. So this is on the Friday, the training started on the Monday at that time for a week. And I said, I rang Nigel and I'm like, I need, I've, I've got to go to Port Macquarie. It's for a week. Um, can you like handle the kids for a week and just sort them out? And he's like, yep, just do whatever you need to do. And so I did, I got on a plane on the Monday and spent a week away from my kids from the first time ever. I think Eliza was, was she six or three or three or something? And um, yeah, I did teacher training and that was, um, where the coaching started. So I basically decided when I came back, I knew that I would be doing the, the philosophies that Louise Hay teached, uh, sorry, was te- uh, that I, that I learned and I wanted to teach them, but I knew that there was something more that I needed as well. So, um, I started reading, um, Gabby Bernstein books, which, uh, she's amazing. And I, I did her, um, spirit junkie masterclass level one, which is her coaching program. So in the space of, you know, a few months, I had all these tools now to not only give people readings, but also coach them through how to get rid of that thing or how to be in alignment with themselves. And I'm actually heading to New York next Friday to do the level two. Yeah. So Gabby Bernstein's level two of her coaching program. So yeah, for three weeks, we're leaving the kids. So I'm having (laughs) mum guilt at the moment, but I'm working through it. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's how the coaching came on top of the reading. So I'll do a reading for someone and, Um, I'll say to them, look, you know, this is something that's been in your life or this is a belief, you know, we can do work or whatever it is around that. And I just leave it up to them. I say, if you're drawn to do that, then, then do it. If you're not, then I know that in the right time for them, it will happen because it's all about the timing. Yeah. Yeah. So you do them hand in hand. You're doing the readings and the coaching together. It's funny because uh, yeah, like people will go, I want to come for a reading and I'll be like, okay, cool. Yep. Book in for a reading. And then it'll, I'll say to them, I will talk about, you know, spiritually things will come in and then I'll say to them, look, I'm just going to flick over to coaching for a second because this is, this is what I believe will really help you. And then if something spiritual comes in, I'll go, I'll go, okay, this is spiritually. I tell them, you know, this is spiritual. This is coaching because they need to know that as well. The spiritual stuff isn't me. I'm the conduit for the messages. But what I'm now flicking over to is Claire, the coach, telling you this would be really beneficial for you. Um, yeah, so it's funny. I had a lady um, yesterday who came for a reading and it ended up being maybe 10 minutes of reading. And then what the spirit was giving me was 
coaching. So they're like, you need to tell her your story about that. And it was perfect. And she said, oh, this is so different to what I thought it was. It's helped me so much more than I thought. And that's kind of how it shows up. I just am not attached to what it has to be. It's just what it, whatever it is for them that they need to hear. Yeah. Wow. So what is your mission then when it's coming, when it comes to helping others? And can you share a little bit more about who is coming to you for help and why they're coming to you and how, and how you help them a little bit more? Yeah. So I, it was funny. I was, I, you know, my mission and we were talking about this is, is purpose as well, but I, I don't want to get hooked on the word purpose because I think our purpose when we grow, it changes and it can be, um, if we are growing, if our purpose is, um, a bit of a destination at the time, you know, and that journey to get to that destination, then the next part of the journey may show up as a completely different thing. So I think the word purpose and not being attached to what that looks like is really important. So my mission at the moment and how it's coming through is to guide people back to themselves. Yeah. So we are born to give love and receive love, but through our journey, we lose our way. So I guide them back to themselves. That's what it is because um, it's in my head, it's about which we get so fearful and it's about learning how to love and going back to love every single time. So that's what I want. That's what I want to teach them at the moment. And my mission and per- slash purpose has kind of been that, but the wording has been a bit different. So yeah, I'm like at the moment, this is what it is. A big shout out to Lenny Rose, my kind partner who supports this podcast for Melbourne mummers. Are you pregnant and want to keep moving? Or have you recently had a baby and ready to get active again? Any old active wear is not going to cut it. You need and deserve elegant, technical and support wear which moves seamlessly from active to street and from pregnancy to post-baby. Lenny Rose is designed by physiotherapist and Melbourne mum of two. The perfect mix of expertise and first-hand experience. This hot new label is on a mission to help you feel your best when pregnant, breastfeeding and beyond. Let me tell you about one of their awesome designs, the Zone Leggings. It has three different levels of compression for blood flow return and leg relief. Good bike ankles. Under bump and lower back support. Yes. And an ultra high waist to give your bump the loving hold it needs. Sounds amazing, right? Doesn't hurt that it's also designed with style in mind. Mummers to be, hop on over to Lenny Rose to check out this exciting and functional label visit lennyroseactive.com.au. And so who who's coming to you for help? Like, are you finding there's a common theme of the type of people that seek out your service? Yeah, so I, I definitely do because I always ask for people for my, my highest good and their highest good. Mm-hmm. So I know that the people that are coming to me are usually people that have been through the same thing as I I have and I can share from a really authentic place if it's coaching. So I'll be like, oh, my goodness, I've been through exactly the same thing. Um, and I'll share my story because there is so much healing in our stories and I think we, once we move past the fact of being judged and, you know, who's going to not want to hear, you know, who's going to want to hear this or whatever it is, yeah, we, we have so much healing for other people in our story. So I always set the intention, only people from my high school and their high school. 
then I know that the people that are coming to me, I have the message for them for whatever reason for them to move forward. Usually it's mums because I am a mum. Usually it's about shitty relationships because I've had a lot of crappy relationships. Um, And it's, it's spiritual people who are starting their journey and I can guide them through that. I can show them what I've done to get to the point to where I am. And I think as well, the mums that are coming to me, which I love, are the mums that usually suffer from anxiety, which I had, uh, are very fearful thinkers, which, which I was, overthinkers, which I was, um, and, and, and they don't want to pass those things onto their kids. Yeah. They, they don't want their kids to have those particular, um, emotional hooks. You know, they don't, they don't want their kids to have that. And, as much as yes, we do the work. Um, there will be, you know, we there will be things that they they will um, they will pick up from us. And you know, Max, my my eight year old, he's he's an you know he's a little bit anxious because I was that mum when he was young. So mm. I know now though that I've worked through that and I have the tools to show him. So whereas Eliza is very spiritual, very chilled, um, and that's the mum that I was when I had her because I'd done work. So there's a lot of interesting, um, there's a lot of spiritually, there's a lot of information that's amazing that's really spiritual about um, who we are when we're in the womb and how our mums were when we were in their womb. Um, uh, A very, yeah, about anxiety was mum. You know, if you ask your mum what she was like when she was pregnant with you, you will see yourself in some of those, those things that she says because we are connected with a cord, obviously the umbilical cord. Um, we're so connected that we're feeling what our parents, what our mums are feeling. So it is, there is so much amazing research and stories about the way we are and the way that we come out. Um, even the birthing process, um, about, you know, seizures and, and natural, um, natural birth. There's such amazing, um, yeah, research and just information about that. And it's, it's well worth going to look up, um, uh, metaphysically as well. There's a book called Metaphysical Anatomy and it just has the most amazing information about how our physical, um, physical symptoms are emotional, um, you know, build, uh, things that are built up emotionally within us. So, oh my gosh, there's so much amazing information. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, it was the story for me about not passing that on to my kids. And I work from that authentic place with mums that are exactly the same that come to me. Um, yeah. With all the, with all of those things, because I, I was all of that. I was all of that. And I still am. And yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's comforting for them to know it never goes away. It's just that we learn the tools to, to make it, not a big thing anymore. We, we, we have the tools now to, I'm feeling that panic attack or I'm feeling that anxiety and anxiety is, you know, for me, and I know that it's really hard because I'm, we're all at different levels, but anxiety for me was my biggest teacher because it showed me what I was holding in and it showed me exactly what I needed to let go of to release that. So four years at a psychologist and a spiritual mentor and finding my journey, my anxiety was the thing that started that journey for me. So it, my anxiety took me to the psychologist. Then we worked through that and it took me to somewhere else. 
So I, I thank my anxiety. I, you know, I say, wow, like if I hadn't have had that, it wouldn't have gotten me to where I was today, which is, um, yeah, which is a really, it's, we're all at different levels. And I understand, you know, that obviously people are, you know, some, when I, when I was in the thick of anxiety, I, that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been a thing that I could have understood, you know, I wouldn't have been able to understand that, but the people that are in the thick of it, just know that it's, it is teaching us something. And instead of fighting it, sometimes leaning into it and journaling about, well, you know, is this my anxiety or is, was my mum really anxious or is it, is, am I borrowing this anxiety from my parents? Am I, you know, so it's about, it's worth writing that down, even at the top of the page of your journal or a bit of paper, you know, what is my anxiety? What is it for me? Yeah. So, sorry, my dogs are barking. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so I love that you're talking about like values, alignment, beliefs. So can you share for us what are some of your core beliefs that you have and that you introduce to others? So my philosophies for life mm-hmm. are just be willing. So that really is the first step in any journey we go on is to just be willing to look at something a little bit different or to be open and aware that that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, what we give out, we get back. So if we're showing ourselves love and all the people around us, that's what we're getting back from them. So if we're, if there's something going on for you that, um, you know, we're out of alignment, I'm feeling fear, we will get those, you know, life might not be working or we might feel stuck or those, some of those things. So what we give out, we get back. Um, what we believe in ourselves becomes true for us. This is probably my favorite. So if, if we believe the story, you know, about, oh, you know, Claire was this person, but mm-hmm. I, I, I was so married to particular stories in my life, say about relationships and who I had to be in that. Once I realized that that story wasn't true for me anymore and I could believe what I wanted to believe and obviously there's a lot of work behind that, what I believed in who I was, my outside world reflected that. So things became a lot easier and I I was able to see what was true for me um, and I could choose that and sit in that and, and love that and 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 that was my life um, when I was working through that. So our thoughts are creative. Um, what we think, what our language and how we speak to ourselves is basically our reality. Um, and for me, when I was in that fearful anxiety overthinking, I wouldn't leave my house. So, you know, my thoughts and what I thought of myself were a very low vibration and um, it felt very heavy. And um, once I realized that, well, I am the thinker of my thoughts, <laughs> yeah. um, I could choose differently. And that also ha- obviously has a lot of work behind that. And one of the most amazing books that I could, you know, recommend was Mastering Your Mean Girl by Melissa Ambrosini about mastering that inner, inner chatter and recognizing that that inner chatter is us. So we are in control of it. Um, we are all worth loving. We are all worth loving, which just saying that just makes my heart like go, oh, 
Um, we, we truly, every single human, every single animal plant on this planet are worth loving. Um, and I think one of the big things that I do in my night ritual when I feel that I need it is I write at the top of my page, am I willing to be loved? And you know what? Sometimes the answer is no, Mm -hmm. but the difference between the Claire that I was and the Claire that I am now is that I ask myself, why, why don't I feel like I'm, I'm willing to be loved? And within that answer is me tapping into my intuition and my inner guide and my, um, you know, my intuition and I'm answering that for myself. So I'm giving my subconscious an opportunity to work through that, Um, which, so we're all worth loving. Um, Self-approval and self-acceptance are the keys to positive change. So when we accept that where we are and when we give ourselves permission to be where we are, um, we start to realize that, okay, well, I can be this person or I can implement that change and it's okay. I'm safe. I'm protected. It's going to be okay. So the number one thing I always get with clients is they are waiting for a parent or they are waiting for someone to validate them. Yeah. You don't need anyone's validation. All you need is yourself. So give yourself permission, whatever that fear that's sitting at the forefront of your mind right now. So for me, it's about going to New York and leaving my kids. I know that I, when I would give myself permission and I'm giving it right now and it's even becoming less of a thing as I'm saying this, mm-hmm. when I give myself permission to be Claire the mum going away, I'm also Claire the human, the spiritual being that will bring all this amazing information back to help people. So it's something outside of me, something bigger that I'm bringing back. So when I validate and go, you know what, girlfriend, go and do that. It's going to be amazing. We give ourselves that permission. So give yourself permission to be the person that you are and, and accept that where you are now is exactly where you're meant to be, you know, exactly where you're meant to be in the journey of the book of your life in chapter five right now, you know, Holly's exactly where she's meant to be and Claire's exactly where she's meant to be. Um, and I feel like that releases that I should be doing something else. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Yeah. So um, we can release the past and forgive. Like this is probably, this is probably one of the last steps. Um, but you know, um, in order for for me to move forward from um, a lot of childhood trauma as well, um, I had to release that because when we are in that and we're still we're still living that. So when we're bringing through um, past trauma and it's about, you know, finding your team of people. So it's about finding your psychologist, finding your life coach, finding a mentor, finding a friend or having that person to actually talk about the past too. Um, And then the process of forgiveness will really follow that. And forgiveness opens the doorway back to love. And the last one is choose love over fear. So something that I'll say to myself in the midst of a fearful thought or an argument or something is how can I choose to see this through the eyes of love is a mantra of mine. And it makes me step back and go, how can I choose to be in alignment with love? And I am love. So how can I choose to be in alignment with that part of myself instead of what I'm, what's actually happening? And I think the you know, I was a real, I was a yeller and I was like, you're not hearing me. Like, 
you're you're and and really that yelling was yelling at myself going there's something inside of you that you're not dealing with so me trying to make my husband for example feel the pain that I was feeling that made me that yeller so the biggest lesson that I learned and it was from a book that I read it's called um the keys to the kingdom by Alison Armstrong I learned that giving yourself 10 seconds to respond changed my whole outlook on when I am in that, and I call it spitting venom, when I'm in that venom <laughs> mode. That's a good description. <laughs> yep. When I'm in that venom mode, I, if I take that time, that 10 seconds to go, what is this about? What really is this about? I come to truth. I, I get shown the truth. Okay, well, I had a crappy day. My husband's just got home and I'm spitting venom, venom at him because I had a bad day. And, you know, things like he will say to me, like, what's going on for you now? And I'll go, oh, my God, like, I love you. I love that you say that to me. But, you know, what's going on for you is an amazing question to ask your partner because it's giving, it's coming from a different direction because it's like, oh, what's wrong with you? It's coming from a different angle than we usually are. You know, it's coming from that side street instead of that main road. Um and, you know, saying to them, like, what's going on for you? And opening those lines of communication. So that book actually showed me those things. But that 10-second reflection yeah. is like, like it's, it's like hours of reflection. And, you know, it's about getting super honest. Like if, if he said to me, you're being a bit mean, I would <laughs> then go, I would then go, well, yeah, you're right. I have been mean before, so I've got to own that. And it's yeah. like, okay, I need, to, I need to come at this from a different angle. Yeah, and I, you know, sorry, you go. I was just going to say, I feel like you're picking up on stuff because my husband and I, <laughs> we had a fight this morning, and I've just been in such a funk. Like it really put me in such a bad mood. And I'm like, I don't want to start my day like this, but you know, you, you, you're sort of holding on to it. You're like, but I think I'm right, so I'm just going to wait for you to apologize. But you're right. Like it's just not like I needed that. Yeah, I didn't do the ten seconds. I just said, yeah, my, <laughs> my venom came out. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the time in an argument and I, you know, I talk to myself, clearly I talk to myself a lot because I am in my head all the time. But, but if we're not in our head, we're in those old beliefs. So, you know, a a big thing about being, you know, what is it costing me in this moment to be right? Yes. What is it costing me? And yeah, what what is it costing me? It's costing me that I'm now in a funk because yeah. I was yeah, so because it's I really on to being right instead of yeah, working Exactly. What we were really fighting about wasn't what we were really fighting about. Like Oh my god, I love that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. <sighs> so, yeah, like think I, I want you to I know. Yeah. I want you to visually think of holding onto a rope and pulling each other and trying to um make the other person feel what you're feeling okay and it's like we can't ever do that because they're a completely different human to us we can tell them and try and yell and verbalize yeah. but i want you to think about dropping the rope because when we drop the rope we drop the power and it's the power that actually is the right or wrong it's the power that drives us so it's like a very it's a very ego based, like, when did I need to be right? Or why do I need to prove that? Because when in my life did I need to be right? And maybe it was 
maybe it was with mum and dad, maybe it was with brother or sister, whatever it was. So, yeah, and that's where the journaling comes in. Like that's a perfect thing. When have I needed to be right or does right mean if I'm wrong, then I'm a shit person or is that really upset my identity because I like being right or, you know, there's lots of questions you can ask yourself. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, it's become a a coaching (laughs) session for me. (laughs) This this happens all the time. Oh, my God. I love that visualisation too, like let go of the rope. Oh, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. So, and, you know, like I think as well, like I love that you said I feel that because obviously, you know, that is definitely something because our body is the first thing to react. And when I said before I was talking about, what does it feel to be in alignment? And it feels, you know, the things that I feel are love and joy and happiness and contentment. When I'm out of alignment, I feel fear. I feel like I'm overthinking. I feel triggered. I So even writing down, what, how do I feel when I'm in alignment and how do I feel when I'm not? That will, that just, that's so amazing to even do that process. And if you keep it somewhere and refer back to it, it's a guide. It's a life guide. You're like, I've just written my whole life guide right there <laughs> about how do I want to feel every day? Yeah. And am I being this? And it's about, you know, 99% of the time, it's about owning our shit, owning our behavior, owning, owning the stuff that we don't want to own because it's painful or because it challenges us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> and so before just going back to when you were talking about that you do see a lot of mums that they're quite drawn to you um you you were touching on some of those common issues but do you want to go into that a little bit more yeah so um yeah so the the anxiety and the fear and you know the the overthinking uh you know I, I think I love the saying, we teach our kids the things that we weren't taught. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful statement that we realize that the way that we are isn't, um, you know, isn't beneficial for our kids moving forward or it's, um, you know, we know we can kind of be a little bit different and better and, and create new possibilities for ourselves to benefit our kids. And as mums, a lot of the time, you know, people break down and say, I just want my child to not have to go through what I did. And I'm in front of them saying, you're on, you're, you're doing it, you're doing it. So um, by even recognizing, you know, some of our behaviors and, you know, I'm hoping that even us having this conversation, people will be like, oh my goodness, you know, you know, preach it sister. I'm getting what you're, I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm getting it. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, our kids motivate, really motivate us to be better people. And I think that's amazing. You know, they, they choose us, their souls choose us. So yeah, we have lessons for them and they have lessons for us. And I love that. I love that yeah. we can learn just as much from our kids as what they learn from us. So by us, by, you know, as mums and when we start to, you know, it's funny, people will come and go, oh, my husband's got all these issues. And I'm like, well, how can you change towards that? And they're like, well, I don't need to change. It's them. And and by the end of it, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm the one that needs to change because 
when we are looking at other people wanting them to change, that's a sign for us that it's us. We need to look at this differently. It's us that needs to change and it doesn't make them right or wrong. It just means that we are opening up to that different possibility. So, um, you know, we've kind of got the, okay, well, I get it. You know, as soon as I, as soon as someone says, you know, my husband doesn't love me and I say, do you love yourself? And it'll be no. And I'll say, okay, well, let's work through that love. And when, you know, if we're not loving ourselves, we're not completely letting other people love us either. So they feel that wall and they feel that, you know, arm out holding them at arm's length. So when we talk about, you know, what does self-love mean? It's, it's an umbrella of stuff. It's, you know, um, and it's not a one size fits all. It's a, you know, what has happened to me in my life for me to take me away from self-love is completely different than you. Um, and it's about, well, what are the tools can you, what tools can you use to get you back to that? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm loving myself more than I was, or, you know, I'm, and it's about asking those questions. Am I feeling love? Um, yeah. So it's, it's really the mums coming thinking that it's someone else when it's really them. And it's about having that beautiful moment and seeing that penny drop and that light bulb moment of, okay, well, if it's me, that's okay because I can work on myself. I can actually do something. And when we work on ourselves, guess what? Everyone else around feels the benefits because we are the matriarchs of the family. So when we are putting ourselves at number one, which I always am number one, you know, I'm, if I'm operating at number one, my goodness, my kids are living the best life that they can because I am just vibrating at an awesome level. My energy is amazing. Um, I'm loving life and so are they. You know, when we are putting ourselves five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, we, we're pouring from an empty cup. We're pouring from a half filled cup. So think about, wow, number one to me means that when I'm operating there, I'm being the most amazing version of myself and I want my kids to see that and I want my husband to feel that because then I'm loving him at, at a really optimal level as well. Oh, my goodness. I'm doing that, you know, the emoji where they have the two hands up. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm, I'm actually doing that. <laughs> I, love this. I love everything you said just then. And you have given so many golden nuggets. Like someone is... Someone, like everyone is going to walk away listening to this. Going, oh my goodness! Like you know, there's so much that they can take away from this and implement straight away. Um, but you've also been really, really kind, and you have created something that they can grab for free on Motherhood Melbourne website. So can you just tell us what that resource is and how they can use it and how it will benefit them? Sure. So when I was talking about then vibrating at a really good level of energy and you know, it might seem a little bit like it, when I was talking about alignment and being in alignment and out of alignment, alignment is for me vibrating at that really, you know, like I'm nailing life. Like I am just like, you know, nailing everything. That's a high vibration. Whereas a low vibration would be, you know, I'm fearful. It's, you know, if you think about high vibration as love and low vibration as fear, um, and, and, you know, I like to sit in that high vibration. So, Every, so it's energy that we're talking about. So everyone has energy, you know, an aura, um, around us, every plant, every, even a pen, you know, like a glue stick, everything has energy because people have touched these things. So it's like their energy is on it. So imagine how many people you've met in your life 
and that they have your energy when you shake their hand or even pass them in coals when they're rubbing by you, you know, or you're receiving money back from someone at, you know, Maya, whatever. They're, they're going into your energy. Imagine, okay, that when they do that, that is them stepping into your energy levels. So there is also the deeper relationships we've had. We've got cords to those people. So for example, bad relationships, probably the number one thing, really bad. Everyone always talks about bad bosses. So you have a connection to your boss. If you worked somewhere for a while, you've got a connection because your energies have obviously gone into each other's energy mm-hmm. and there would be experiences around that energy that I still attach to you. So I had a client who had a really traumatic experience with a boss, a male boss. So now she went into a new job. It was a male boss. Guess what? All those emotional triggers and energy came with her mm-hmm. because she had a bad experience. So I gave her the cord cutting exercise, which is what we've put up on the Motherhood Melbourne um, website, is cutting the energy to that person that you have a negative experience around. So what it is, it's like a step-by-step process. And I've put a little bit of Gabby Bernstein stuff in there as well because she's amazing about how we cut the cord. And it sounds like it's, you know, you're going around like massacring these cords, which (laughs) It's so not that. It's about yeah. just gathering your energy back that's yours. Like the number one thing spiritually I have to do every day is protect my energy. And I say a little mantra, release the negative energy, um, and I'll say that until it feels like it's gone, and then I'll surround myself in white light and give it back to me because I want the energy, but I want it to be in white light. I don't want it to be negative. So that's something that I say to myself to keep my energy really clear. So, um, yeah, so the cord cutting is about whoever is at the forefront of your mind while we're even talking about this, that's the person you've got to cut the cord with. And it might even be mum. I cut the cord with my mum because there was a lot of fearful stuff that she had had that came through to me mm-hmm. um, and because I'm her, I'm her daughter and I, I didn't want that anymore. So by cord cutting, yeah, my mum, I still love her. I still, you know, she's still my mom. I love her, but it's the energy that she brought around that um, fearful way of thinking. I have cut the cord to my kids before purely because if they've come home in a really negative mind frame and really negative energy, I don't want that. I want to keep clear, remember, because I'm number one. So when I'm number one, I'm all about keeping that energy clear. So I'll go and do it's four minutes or five minutes of just cord cutting and I'll come out and it's a bit like, oh, okay, let's just reset for a minute. And when we do it, the people that we cut it to feel it. And it's not, it's not a, oh my God, what's Claire doing to me? It's a shift in energy. So, and when I said to you before about like, um, you'll feel intuitively that someone's going to ring you, that's because you've tapped into their energy in that moment. So that's how when we cut the cords, you're giving their energy back to them and you're keeping yours. So, um, yeah, it's just about keeping your energy clean, cutting the cord to people that um, haven't served you. Maybe it is a boss. Maybe it is your husband. Maybe there's something going on that getting that energy back and just working on your own energy and dealing with what you're going through and writing and journaling and working on yourself is just pulling that energy back to you and it's giving his energy back to him. And then you get to start again and it's like we're resetting. It's almost like, yeah, a reset 
um, if it's someone that's in your life, like a husband or kids, but if it's someone you're wanting to clear that energy and push that energy back and not have to worry about that anymore and it's not like a thing, then you do it to an old boss, an old boyfriend, you know, someone that's not serving you. Yeah, so that's the cord cutting. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for allowing me to share that with my community as well. I really appreciate it. No, not a problem at all. That's, um, yeah, that's probably, you know, a, ri- a ritual that I've done. Um, and I do it probably once a week if, you know, I feel like it's even when I don't know who the energy attachment is, I just do it because I see a lot of people. So I, and yeah. I'm around a lot of people. So I just do that. It's kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, um, medicating myself. cord cutting exercise yeah oh that's awesome well Claire that is the end of our chat and I just like I said at the start I knew it was going to be amazing and (laughs) so thank you for Mm -hmm. taking the time to share your story with us and your mission and yeah I'm just so appreciative oh it's been my pleasure I'm I'm so grateful that you've given me this opportunity to share it with your platform and and as well so thank you oh thank you Okay, what did I tell you about Claire? Amazing! Let us know you've listened and loved the last episode of the season by sharing a screenshot on Insta Stories. Tag Motherhood Melbourne and Claire Hill Coaching underscore so we can reshare. And that game changer resource that Claire was chatting about is available on the episode page on Motherhood Melbourne. Scoot on over and download it for free. Just head to motherhoodmelbourne.com.au. Okay, so it's now time to say goodbye. I just wanted to end by saying the biggest thanks for joining me for the past 10 weeks as I spoke with Melbourne mummers who were on a mission to help others. I hope it's helped you to see that motherhood is empowering and we can draw inspo from the mummers who live right here in our hood. Okay, that's an official wrap of season one. Thanks for hanging out with me.